Well, praise the Lord. Give Jesus a big hand this morning. Well, it's a fun little song with a great message. If God goes to the left, I'm going left. And if he goes right, I'm going right. Hey, give your neighbor a high five. Tell him you're looking good. Artie and I were going to see who had more rhythm over there, but you have more rhythm, but I know left from my right. Well, turn your Bibles. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We have been doing a series since first of the year called God Still Speaks. Can you say that with me? God Still Speaks. The one who saved us in his Holy Spirit to come and inhabit our lives, to provide direction, answers to prayer. And we've been kind of trying to figure this out in the Bible. We've looked at some of the exciting things in the Bible. What does the Bible have to say about uh, uh, spiritual dreams, about visions, about how God would speak to us through his Holy Spirit? Uh, we've been talking about, about prophecy and asking this question, is this just for yesterday or could this be for today? And I suggest to you that the Bible set up a pattern, both in the Gospels and the teachings of Christ and the activity of the early church in the book of Acts, that should be a pattern for church life where the Holy Spirit is active and alive in our midst. And I want to show you a little testimony that will encourage you from one of our members. We had a, a meeting a couple weeks ago, a prophetic gathering, and uh, there was a word of knowledge given about a healing. And I want you to listen to what, hear what God did. Hello, my name is Gary Williams. And uh, I was at the prophecy meetings Wednesday and Thursday night, but I work at Cooper Tire, work 12 hours, standing on my feet. And for years I've been suffering with the uh, leg pain and especially in my foot. And I rush over here as quickly as I can from work and change shirts and come in and try to sit in the back. But one of the prophets stood up and, and said he felt like the Lord was telling him that someone in in the congregation was suffering from pain from the hip down into his knee and especially concentrating in the foot and the way he described it I knew it was me and uh, he asked to stand and I don't have many people stood but I did and uh, he prayed over my healing and I received it and I started feeling the pain in my foot go away almost immediately it was like I wasn't sure if it was me or if it was for real, but I went back to the cafeteria and walked around a little bit and realized my foot wasn't hurting anymore. And worked the next day for 12 hours and my, my foot hadn't hurt since. Uh, the pain in my knee and my foot, everything he described is completely gone. And I just give all praise and glory to God. Well, praise the Lord, that's pretty cool, huh? So again, that was a word of knowledge that somebody had, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about, where God shows somebody something with a purpose to help and to encourage them. And how many know if you're hurting, healing is always an encouragement. Well, look in your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. The Bible says, and I want you to say this with me, 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, Do not hold back the work of the Holy Spirit. Can you say that with me? Do not hold back the work of the Holy Spirit. Now stop right there. How many of the Bible says don't hold back? It implies that you can hold back. 
In other words, it implies that you can stop God from doing things through you. you can, the Holy Spirit may want to use you in some fashion. For example, this week, I mean, you may after church today go to the cafe, eat some chili, go on home, and you stop at Super One or Walmart, and God were to speak to you that there's someone in the, in the produce section that's shopping that's contemplating suicide. Do you think that's possible? Do you think the God who created everything, created everyone, marked out our days in advance, the God who knows our thoughts that we think, the Bible says that God knows the, num or the number of hairs on our head, don't you think He knows what's going on in somebody's life? And wouldn't it be a cool thing if God could use you and God could use me to help someone in great need? Well, the Bible says, so don't hold back the work of the Holy Spirit. But then that scripture goes on to say, don't despise prophecy. In other words, don't minimize it, don't laugh at it, say it's not real. But then this next phrase, what's it say? Test everything. Say that with me. Test everything and keep what is good. So that phrase, don't hold back the spirit, but test it and hold on to what, which is good. In other words, like eating watermelon, how I many know you spit out the seeds? And, and, and we are to be, on one hand, we're to be eagerly desirous for the activity of the Holy Spirit, but the Bible warns us not to be gullible. Because how many know not everything spoken in God's name is God? Amen. You know, Jesus warned in the last days, Matthew 24, the first thing he said, the sign of his coming, he said, don't be deceived. For many people are coming in my name saying that they're the Messiah. So that's what we talked about last week. I gave you four questions last week to ask yourself. If you're trying to discern if a dream or a vision is from God or a prophecy is from God, four questions to ask. First and most importantly, does it align with the Bible's clear teaching? And how many know if it doesn't, throw it away. We also talked about the fact that uh, what is the character or the fruit of the person sharing God's message to you? If you're surrounded with godly people, why would God have a Yehu tell you something weird to do? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. The character of the person, their fruit of their life. Number three, a big one. Uh, what do godly leaders in your life say about it? In other words, when you ask someone to pray for you, an elder, a pastor, a godly friend, just say, look, I, I feel like this dream may be from the Lord, or, or this is something I feel like I'm supposed to do after praying, but I want to submit that to you and, and, and help me find the will of the Lord in this. There's safety in that. And then lastly, and perhaps most importantly, is the peace in our hearts or the confirmation that indeed this is God. Well, that's what we talked about last week. I want to show you that those were not just theories, though. We're going to look at the book of Acts this morning. We're going to look at two chapters, Acts chapter 10 and 11. Lengthy portion of Scripture, so you're going to have to stay with me now pretty, pretty close. By the way, if you have an iPad, you can bring it, or if you want to bring your laptop, the notes are already on the Internet on Saturday. You can kind of follow along and mark them up as you go. But anyway, uh, we're going to talk about the book of Acts. And the church, as it started in its inception, was a Jewish church. Jesus was a Jewish Messiah. I mean, know that. But yet he came for the whole world. Now, we're Gentiles, and a Gentile is anyone that's not a Jew. Now, obviously, most of the human race are Gentiles. And we're going to see this, this morning that the greatest shift in church history that ever happened happened because a vision was given to Peter, and a vision was given to a man he did not know, Cornelius, a Jew and a Gentile, two different visions from God. They supernaturally come together, and God helps Peter and the Jews evolve from their understanding that the church is not just a Jewish church, but it's open to all mankind. It's a big, big message, but I hope you hear it not just as a historical message, but I hope you see some application is that God can, through His Holy Spirit, allow you to do some incredible things to make a difference in the world. How many know our world's in big, big trouble? 
How many know America's in big, big trouble? The Dow might have bumped back at 14,000, but I'm going to tell you what, it's built on funny money and phony promises. Come on. And, 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 and we live in a world today that everybody knows is troubled. And my hope and my belief is, is, is that the world is not just going to get worse and worse and the boogeyman's going to come in, but I believe God for revival. I believe God for a spiritual awakening. I believe God to pour out His Spirit on America. Come on. That God it could come visit this nation again. Well, listen, in the church, we've got buildings, we've got technology, DVDs, and all the stuff. But how many know we need some real activity of the Holy Spirit? Come on. God doing some supernatural things in our midst to see the kind of explosive spiritual turnaround the nation needs. So let's, uh, let's explore this together. Uh, I originally entitled this message, uh, let's see, what is God saying? But I thought and after last service, how about this? Imagine the possibilities. Imagine the possibilities if you and God become partners in this supernatural encounter of communication and you become a partner with the creator of the universe, come on, that knows everything and he can anoint you to do something big. Well, let's explore it this morning. Uh, I'm going to give you this message. Again, it's two chapters and my, I've got a little upper respiratory thing, so my voice is a little shaky. Stay with me. But I'm, I'm going to look at two chapters, Acts 10 and 11. We're going to do our best to kind of condense them, but you're going to have to stay with me as we walk through these chapters. And we're going to see how the Jewish church evolved in its understanding. We're going to see how God changed their theological understanding of what God wanted to do to include the entire world in the church and not just Jewish believers. So I'm going to present it to you as four acts of a play. And the first act, Act 1, is 1,400 years of Jewish history. 1,400 years of Jewish history. Now, what do I mean? 1,400 years before the book of Acts, Moses came down from Mount Sinai with two tablets of stone. And these two tablets are the Ten Commandments. They are arguably, without question, they're the foundation of Western civilization culture. The, Moses' Ten Commandments are the, are, the, are the pinnacle of our own Supreme Court justice building in Washington, D.C. God gave the, the Jewish people, though, not only the Ten Commandments, He gave them the law. He, it was the law of Moses. He gave them the, the way that people are supposed to live. And he called them to be a chosen people, a unique people. Unlike any other people on the face of the planet, God made the Jewish people different. God also promised the Jewish people that they would have a Jewish Messiah. Uh, and how many know Jesus was born a Jew? And then when Jesus came, his followers were Jewish followers. Now, there were some God-fearing Gentiles around the, the borders and the corners, but by and large, it was a Jewish church. The day of Pentecost, where did Pentecost happen? It happened in the city of Jerusalem. God poured out His Spirit among Jewish people. So the Bible clearly shows that that was God's plan. But then we reach a place, as you read the book of Acts, the first 12 chapters are pretty much about Jerusalem, and Peter was the primary figure. The Jews were the primary target audience. But from Acts 12 forwards, the audience is the entire world, and the audience is us. And what we're going to read this morning, you're going to see yourself on the pages of Scripture when God opened the doors of the church, come on, to all mankind. Whether, whether we're white, whether we're black, whether we're an Oriental, whether we're a Native American, whoever we are, whether we're young, old, male, female, whether we're Jew or Gentile or Greek, God opened the door of the church to everyone. And this is how it happened, and He did it in a supernatural way. And I want to encourage you to explore this with me with the idea that I'm not just listening for what God did back then, but how might God do this today? You don't have to look very far to know that America is drifting in the wrong direction. If you just want to just go back to uh, Andy and Mayberry and Barney, 
I still like the re-wins. I like the black and white ones. It's about 50 years ago. 50 years ago, I was in kindergarten. It was a day that, uh, of course, I like today's technology, but there's a lot of things about today I don't like. I don't like the fact that when we start the school day, we don't start at reading the Bible and, and with prayer. I don't like the fact that in our America today that, that, that Jesus is not welcome at Christmas. I don't like the fact that I live in a nation that doesn't even know who should get married, men and men and, 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 and boys and boys or girls and girls, which, by the way, the Boy Scouts are right in the middle of a, of a debate. They're voting this week of, of whether they'll have homosexual scout leaders. It's a big, big deal. We've got scout troops in our church. By the way, all the Boy Scouts or Cub Scouts here, will you stand to your feet? We want to recognize them this morning. Give them a big hand. We're very, very proud of what you do. But anyway, America is just kind of in a state of flux. And I believe the last political election, the presidential election, was so charged, not just because of liberals and conservatives or Republicans and Democrats, but because there is, there is a sense among down-to-earth people, for lack of a better word, people that, 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 that built life on the traditional values that were built on the values of the Scripture, that that's what we long for. Come on, that's what we want to go back to. Come on, the, a, a, a nation that's built on the principles of God and the Bible. Well, as much as that's real to us and we want to hold on to that, the Jewish people wanted to hold on to their culture even more. Now listen. They wanted to hold on to the exclusiveness even more. They were the people of God, the chosen generation. And God is about to update their understanding of who fits in as the chosen people of God. And let's see how God did it, because he did it in a supernatural way. Let's go to, uh, let's go to, Acts, uh, to Act 2, Acts chapter 10. Here you're going to see that God uses visions to bring about the most significant change in church history. Let me say it again. God uses a spiritual vision. And the vision is like a snapshot. It's like a picture that you see. You can't make yourself have a vision. It's not a mystical experience. But somehow God would supernaturally communicate his understanding to you. Now, Acts 10, verse, uh, verse 1, and I'm going to condense the whole chapter pretty good. So take a look on the screen with me. In verse 1, there was a man named Cornelius. Cornelius was a Roman soldier. He was a Gentile. He was a God-fearer. He was a godly man, and he got God's attention. Verse 3, the Bible says, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God. Now, how many know that's a pretty big deal? How many would like to see something like that? Yeah, hey, I would too. But you know, most people in the Bible who saw an angel were scared to death. Most people who got a glimpse into God's glory were literally scared. But he saw an angel, and this angel said this, Cornelius, send men to Joppa and bring Peter. Now think about this. It's like me, me getting this vision, and this vision says, I want you to go meet Fred in hope. What comes to your mind? Who's Fred? What's his last name? Where do I find him? And God is supernaturally behind this thing. But it's just like that. And God says, I want you to go talk to this guy named Peter. Now, mind you, Cornelius is a Gentile. Peter's a Jew, and they don't mix together. I mean, you think we have racial issues in America today? In the Jews, it was amplified, and it was built on a spiritual basis in their day, but it was not about ethnicity. It was not about the color of their skin or economics. It was about the law of God and the people of God being a holy people separated to God. Now, let's keep reading verse 9. The next day, Peter goes up on the housetop to pray, and then he has a vision. Verse 10, he fell into a trance. Now, a trance is not, you know, where you sit cross-legged on the floor and, how do you do your fingers? Yeah, and go, um. 
No, we're talking about. We're not talking about some self-induced thing. Listen, if you want to get into that, I, I will suggest to you that you will open yourself to demonic influence. And you will hear spirits, but it won't be the Holy Spirit. You can't make God appear to you like this. But Peter was in the place of prayer, and God kind of showed him a motion picture. And, and look at what it says. Verse 11, he saw the heavens or the skies opened up and something like a great sheet descending on the earth. So imagine your, your, your sheet on your bed, and you're looking up in the air, and this big bed sheet is coming down. But notice what's in it. Verse 12, in it were all kinds of animals, reptiles, and birds of the air. And then there came a... Again, now we're talking about, you don't just believe every voice and do what every voice says. I mean, no, a lot of voices are demonic. You follow these people, listen, uh, these mass murderers, if I could go just a second, these mass murderers across America in schools and malls and other places, most of them have been on some psychotic drug. Listen, most of them are hearing voices. And these voices, I don't doubt, are telling them to kill people, but it's a demonic voice. Come on. And we've got to know the difference, obviously. But this voice said to Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter said, oh, no, Lord, I have never eaten anything that's common or unclean. Now, what's this mean? See, Peter thinks God is talking about food when in actuality God is talking about people. And a vision came across not in something that was clearly understood, but this was perplexing to Peter. Now, how many know the Jews had dietary laws? They had things they could eat and couldn't eat. So if you could imagine this sheet coming out of heaven full of baby back ribs. I mean, I mean are, are we together on this? I'm talking baby backs on one side, and I'm talking all the sauce you want, and I'm talking catfish on the other. The Jews were restricted from eating both. But it's coming out of the air, and Peter was a dedicated believer in Jesus who happened to be a Jew, and he said, no. Can you imagine telling God no? See, he's trying to sort out, just like you and I would be, who this voice is and what it's saying, but most importantly, is it real or is it not? But verse 20 Oh, verse 19, Peter was pondering the vision, that is, he's scratching his head, and it's not always clear when God is speaking. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. But then it says, the Spirit said to him. How many Christians in the room? Let me see your hand. You know the Bible says that the same Spirit, come on, that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And he's a speaking God. That's how Christ communicates to us through the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit said to him, there's three men looking for you. Accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. So here we got the Jewish church leader. Here we've got Cornelius sent three guys over to Peter's house. A miracle how they found him. And then he has conversation with them. Verse 28, he gets to Cornelius' house. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with anyone of another nation. But what's it say? God is showing. Now, how is God showing him? He's showing him through visions, through the voice of the Holy Spirit, and somehow it bears witness to his spirit. He's confused theologically, though, about the dietary laws, but God is about to do the greatest shift in church history from making the church a Jewish church to a church that includes Gentiles. Now, it keeps going. God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Verse 44, he preaches Jesus to them, and while Peter's still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Now, what does that mean? That means we have a Gentile Pentecost. 
Remember Acts chapter 2, Jesus told them to wait in the, in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. They're there some 40, 50 days. They're praying together in the upper room, and all of a sudden there's a rushing mighty wind. Come on now. A rushing mighty wind, cloven tongues of fire, whatever that is, lit upon their heads. And before they know it, they're speaking in languages they did not learn. People are listening to them outside the walls, and in their words, they're glorifying God. And before you know it, 3,000 people come to Christ on the day of Pentecost. Amen. Well, now this same thing is happening to Gentile people. So we've got a vision, we've got a godly leader, we've got a spiritual experience that bears witness, and now Peter is fully behind this thing because God has like evolved him in his in understanding. But guess what? His Jewish friends are not. So now I want to spend the last half of this message... Remember our text? The text says, don't hold back the work of the Holy Spirit, but do what? Prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. So let's see if we can learn from our church forefathers now about how they address this question. Should we change 1,400 years of Jewish history because God may indeed be doing something different? And again, I hope this inspires you to believe that God can do something supernatural through you. Come on. In your school, in your workplace, on the ball team, or wherever you are. Let's explore chapter, chapter 11 now. Acts chapter 11. Let's go to Acts 3. Or Act 3. And look at some spiritual lessons. Now, Peter gets back to the, his buddies. Acts 11 verse 1. Peter went up to Jerusalem and the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to eat with uncircumcised men, and you ate with them. Okay, circumcision was the sign, the outward sign, that you're a covenant believer as a man if you were a Jew. Now, the New Testament sign that you're a covenant person is baptism. And all the men can say, Aren't you glad it's baptism and not circumcision anymore as far as, a, as, far as an outward sign? Yeah, okay. So anyway, but these Jews were, were, I suggest to you, their criticism was noble. What I mean by that? All they were doing is they were responding to something that they didn't understand based on the theological understanding, the scriptures that they knew. And the scriptures they knew said that the Jews were a chosen race. Come on. They were not to be polluted or defiled with Gentiles or unbelievers. And they were to guard this sanctity and sacredness. So here you've got Peter the leader of the New Testament church, and he's seen God do something, but these guys are saying, we're not sure. And how many know we need to emulate them? We need to protect truth as we understand it, but at the same time be open to a progressive revelation, a, a clear understanding of what God is doing in the earth. Have I got you thinking this morning? Uh, let's keep going. Verse 4. Now, Peter explains it to him. He explains the vision. I was in Joppa praying in, an, in a trance... I saw a vision like a great sheet descending, and I heard a voice. The voice said, rise, kill, and eat. And I said, no, no, Lord. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God's made clean, don't call common. It happened three times. So here's what I want you to see. First of all, uh, Peter also said no to the vision because his interpretation was, first of all, that he was supposed to eat things that the Bible or Scriptures had declared unclean. How many know that's a good thing? But the second thing I want you to see, and perhaps the most important, as far as how we can discern whether something's of God or not, is that God chose the most credible leader in the New Testament church, Peter, to bring this new revelation to touch both Gentile and Jew. And that's very, very key, that if you're listening to the Holy Spirit speak to you, why would you want to listen to a Yehu? Come on, why not listen to someone that has a godly track record 
somebody that has a life that's in order, their home is in order, come on, their marriage is in order. So again, God chose a credible leader to get this thing, to get this thing going. Look at verse 11. Behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, and they sent to me from Caesarea. And what's verse 12 say? It says, the Spirit told me to go with them. Now, how did the Spirit tell him? Do you think he sent him a text message? I don't think so. Somehow, God the Holy Spirit wants to talk to us. Now, that's a powerful, powerful, powerful thought. That God the Holy Spirit wants to talk to me. It's not weird. It's not mystical, but it should be normal. But the problem is, if you're like me, I don't always know if it's the Lord. And I have been around enough weird in my life, come on, that sometimes it's almost easier to say, I'd just rather not even fool with that. But the potential for exponential influence in God's kingdom is vastly multiplied if we stay with this. See, so that's exactly what's happening now. And what happened, can you imagine this? He's upstairs praying. He's scratching his head trying to figure it out. He comes downstairs and three men show up at the door. So now what have we got? You say, oh, what a coincidence. Wasn't they lucky that day? No, it was the Holy Spirit confirming His Word now through circumstances. And I'll suggest to you that one of the means that you can confirm if something is of God are the circumstances. Now, circumstances are not always a reliable indicator. Usually, if you've got tough circumstances, you want to say, ooh, that can't be God. But that's not true. Sometimes the circumstances can be misleading. Come on, and you have to rely on the voice of the Holy Spirit or the inner voice of peace. But circumstances can be a confirmation, and in this particular case, they certainly were. Now, mind you, Peter is talking to these Jewish believers. And verse 11 further says, We entered the man's house, or Cornelius, and he told us how he'd seen an angel. And the angel said, Send to Joppa, bring Simon, who's called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you'll be saved. God was concerned about the souls of these Jewish believers. And look at verse 15. It's pretty cool. As I began to speak, what's it say? The Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. Now, what is that talking about? It's talking about the day of Pentecost, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. When God's Holy Spirit fell on them, in their particular case, they also spoke in these languages they didn't learn, and they also glorified God. So now we've got Peter looking at this situation and saying, Man, I had a vision that I think was the Lord. I think the Holy Spirit led me here. And now these guys are filled with the Spirit just like I was. This must be God. And now the Jewish believers are listening to that as well. But then he goes on another one, and this is big. He says in the last part of the verse, verse 16, I remembered, this is Peter saying, I remembered the word of the Lord Jesus. In the Gospels, Jesus said, John baptized with water, but you will be you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, what's going on there? Now, we also not only have a vision, an angel, a voice, not only a common experience, the baptism, but now we have the Word of Scripture. Come on, the Word of the Lord Himself, or in our case, the words of the Bible that are backing up what's going on. So they're interpreting what's going on through the Scripture. So now we've got another huge confirmation because, again, if it doesn't go along with the teachings of Christ, if it doesn't go along with the Bible, what do you do with it? You throw it away. You throw it away. Well, uh, in Acts 15, and I don't have time to go there, but in Acts 15, this whole question and issue of how, 
how, how should the Gentiles come in the church reach such an epic proportion that, that, that the whole Jerusalem council has to come together and they ask the question should we basically let these Gentiles in the church and what do they do and James the great apostle quoted from the book of Amos and he said basically Gentiles can come into the kingdom of God in Amos it said these words it says the prophets agree that the remnant of mankind will seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name says the Lord so think about this these these Jews who had say this much of the Bible this much of the Bible for actually about that much that much of the Bible for all of their life are now beginning to realize maybe we're seeing some things in here that we didn't see before Maybe there's something in this Bible that I thought was for yesterday that's for today. And in their particular case, it was Gentiles. But how many of us here were raised in a church tradition like me that believe that God spoke, but He doesn't speak? It could well be that the Holy Spirit wants to take you to a whole other dimension in your spiritual life. A deeper walk where there's a fullness of the Holy Spirit at work. But this is how these guys were making this decision. Now they look to the Bible and find out what the Bible had to say. And then verse 17 with the close of it. It says, if God gave them the same gift as he gave to us when we believe, that is at the baptism, they spoke in these unknown languages, who is I that I could stand in God's way? Can you say that with me? Who is I that I could stand in God's way? And I suggest to you, we have that same temptation in life. If you reject the Holy Spirit, you're standing in God's way. And God won't be able to do through you the things that He wants to do. Listen, young people, God would like to turn your school around. Listen, if God's presence fills the school, you won't have to worry about gangs. Come on, you won't have to worry about guns in school. You won't have to worry about hiring security because people love each other and they act right. See, but, but, but God could come and he could visit America. It seems impossible that this could happen, but I'm telling you, God could pour out his spirit on our nation, and our nation could have a spiritual awakening. And what is desperately needed, if that would ever happen, is that people are flowing with the spirit this just like these guys were. And he said, well, who is I to stand in God's way? And verse 18, mind you now, all these people that were questioning the, what happened with Peter... When they heard these things, they fell silent. And then they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. So what does that mean? That means now they just said, You know what? We didn't know how this could happen, but 1,400 years of Moses, we're going to kind of put on here because the God who wrote the Bible has just expanded it to include the whole world. Come on, give God a good hand this morning. And he did it through, I use the term, a progressive revelation. That is, he kind of brought them up a level of truth. And how did he do it? He did it with Peter, a credible witness. He did it with visions. He did it with an angel. He did it with a common shared experience, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then he did it, friends, with uh, uh, the Scripture itself that affirmed that that was the Word of God. Now, I want to suggest to you today the same Holy Spirit might be at work on this planet today. And I'll close with Act 4. And it's about how the world has changed since that day. Does anybody have any idea how many people live on the earth today? Yeah, close to 7 billion. Everybody say 7 with a B. Do you know how many Jews there are, or at least there were in 2010? About 14, 15 million with an M. Why don't you think about this? 
So the percentage of Jews in terms of the total uh, world's population is 0.2 of 1%. I mean, it is so small. Do you know how many Christians there are on the planet Earth today? Two billion with the B. That's like one in three people on planet Earth are a professing Christian under some broad definition. And can you imagine how different the world would have been, now stay with me, how different the world would have been if they would have said no to the Holy Spirit, come on, in Acts chapter 10. If when the Holy Spirit was trying to get them to open up the world to Gentile believers, what would have happened if they just said, no, we're only going to focus on the 14 million? Can I tell you, billions of people yet to be born would not have heard of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God probably would have come around and done it again, but do you understand my point? They had this huge opportunity to see billions of people come into the kingdom of God, and they could have missed it if they would have resisted the Holy Spirit. And I suggest to you the same dynamic is at work in us today. And if I could challenge you with this thought before we close in prayer. God, listen, may want to well bring a spiritual awakening to America. And if he could find some people that were hungering for the Holy Spirit's activity, people that were desirous of God, yet mature enough to be able to discern and hold on to the truth, and bold enough to be like Peter and go see Cornelius. Come on, a Jew seeing a Gentile. We might see our world turn around, come on, and big things happen. And my question to you, friends, will you be one of those people today? Come on, give the Lord a good hand this morning. They're going to give us a little worship song, and I'm going to just pray in these last couple moments that you can just have a connection with God. Because here's a question I'm going to ask you as you bow your head. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? As you listen to these words this morning, and I gave you a lot to think about. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And how might He use your life? Would you just worship with Him just a moment? In your own Word of God Poured out like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty. Be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay. of all my friends this morning, I know all of us in our hearts long for something like this to happen to us. That the supernatural dimensions of the Spirit would not just be relegated to the past, but we might experience it today. Lord, not just in hearing another's testimony, but firsthand. And we just want to slip our hearts and hands to heaven and just say, come afresh, Holy Spirit. Would you just pray that with me? Come afresh. If you're asking God for a, a fresh visitation, if you're desiring to hear the voice of the Lord like we're talking about, I want you to just stand to your feet. And 
We're just going to ask the Lord just to come and visit us a moment. As you're standing, you're saying, Pastor, I want God to visit me. I want to be a supernatural Christian. I don't want to just kind of hang like everybody else. I, I want there to be something different about my life. And I want to offer myself to the Lord this morning. We just welcome you this morning. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come on, just keep singing. The word of God speaks. You pour down like a rain. Washing my eyes to see. I can't make a vision come to me, but I can be someone like Simon Peter that's sold out to God. I can be like Simon Peter, someone that has faith, someone that's willing to take a risk and go see a Cornelius. And I challenge you that if you and I will walk with God, if we will let our faith hunger for more of Him, it could well be that God could use us, come on, to do something monumental in the days ahead. Give Him a big hand this morning. I'd like to close with prayer and certainly hope that you'll come get some chili to go come hang out with us a little bit hope you'll be at that marriage seminar invite a friend this week but you know the best way to leave church service is after everything is finished and there may be something yet in your life that you need to respond to God I'm gonna have our prayer team to come we'll sing this song through one last time but I wonder if this message touched something in your life and listen Maybe you've had some bad experiences with this, you know, hearing the Lord. Maybe you got disappointed. Maybe you were around some weirdness. Come on, everybody say, I have. I've been there. And, and it's, it makes you difficult for you to just kind of step out. Maybe it's hard for you to kind of just step and take a risk of your personality. But if you want somebody to just pray for you, you may want someone to lay hands on you. That God would baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That God would give you gifts of the Holy Spirit, whatever it may be. But most importantly, you may be here today and you may need to get right with God. And how many would agree, there's nothing more important than that. Listen, nothing more important that you have surrendered your life to Christ, your eternal soul depends on it. And I'm not talking about just buying insurance for heaven. I'm talking about turning your life over to Jesus. And maybe in the course of this service this morning, you have sensed God's love for you and God's care for you. And you need God's forgiveness. You need a fresh start from God and you want to put your life in His hands. I challenge you, if you'll have the courage to slip out of your chair in a moment and come and pray with somebody, God will do something big in your life. He will meet your surrender to Him, and He'll pour out His Spirit in your life, and we'd like to help be a part of that. So we're going to keep worshiping the Lord. Pastor Nick, sing it one more time. Our prayer team is going to come right now, and let me just invite you. Slip on out of your chair. Let us pray with you this morning. If you need to connect with God in some way, come now, let us pray for you. Don't leave something undone. Let somebody touch your life and touch heaven. I love you and God bless you.
Amen. We're going to continue to have our altars open. If you want prayer for anything, be sure to stop by. Otherwise, head back to the Connect Cafe for some chili, support the trip to Haiti, or get some to go. And if you're fairly new to the church, come to our guest reception right across the hall. It'll be real short, a chance to meet Pastor and get you a little gift bag. Otherwise, we'll see you next Friday, Saturday for the marriage conference. Finding myself at a loss of words beyond the music. 